0: Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. I'm Simon. Just a couple of nerds talking about the things we love that are worth geeking out over. So Simon, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. If you guys are ready, let's dive into this week's episode. This week, we're introducing a we played Roundup of sorts, where we'll be talking about some of the smaller games, ones that you can play quickly and can even carry around with you easily. This week, it's the firework display creating Hanabi, and the space battling Star Realms. We're going to be diving into the things we liked and breaking down the elements that make these games great. Just because they're small doesn't mean they're not awesome. Don't laugh. Because at the end of the day, (laughs) we only play awesome games. So let's dive in. So we're going to talk about Hanabi first. So Hanabi was released in 2010, plays two to five players, plays in about 25 minutes, was designed by Antoine Bowser, a bit of a legendary board game designer, uh, art by him and uh, a team, and published by a variety of publishers, depending on sort of the, the location where it's been published. Hanabi is named after the Japanese word for fireworks. It's a cooperative game in which players try to create the perfect fireworks show by collecting cards and placing the cards on the table in the right order. Not as easy as it sounds, really, to be fair. It's
1: Tico. a deceptively simple-sounding game. Put coloured cards in, in order, order of number.
0: From one to five. Yep, seems simple. Five colours, put them in order of colour and number.
1: There's a key trick to this game, which is so cool.
0: Yeah, super cool, yeah, which we'll, we'll absolutely get into. And it blew my mind the first time I played it, for sure. So such a simple idea. One of those ones you know it's a timeless idea when you think, Why didn't someone do this earlier? Yeah. Right? It's it, one of those.
1: I can only imagine it has happened somewhere, but this was a, a first for me coming across this yeah, game. Oh. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's oh, clever. That's, you, that's quite
0: fun. Yeah, for sure.
1: Should we let them in on that then?
0: No, we'll go we'll go we'll a little bit longer. I'll <laughs> we'll a little bit more spiel and then we'll go for it. Alrighty. And spiel is a good word to, to describe what I'm about to say, because this actually also won the Spiel de Yara. It was a game of the year. Um, which is the biggest award in board games, which for such a small game you know, in terms of size and scope is is an amazing achievement. So yeah, you basically just have to collect the cards and uh, put them in order from one to five. So like I said, it sounds easy.
1: Yeah, it, it is essentially a deck of cards, as we say. They're coloured uh, on one side, uh, red, yellow, green, blue, and white. They're numbered one through five and have a corresponding burst of firework on them. Very simple design. Uh, there's also a handful of tokens. I think uh, six each of a timer and a fuse, um, which are used in varying fashion throughout the game. The reverse of the cards are all very plain and simple, uh, black and white uh, firework representation. Uh, and that, oh, come on, we've got to tell them. There's tokens, and then that's it, right? Yeah. That's it.
0: Don't worry, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I all feel right. like uh, <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> so. Um, that's basically it for the components of Hanabi. You have a box, you have some cards, you have some tokens. It's a super cheap game. You can get it for, for bugger all online. And um, yeah, so let's talk about how do you win Hanabi uh, it's a, a varying score game,
1: and you get essentially a ranked score at the end of the game. And as, as I said a minute ago, you have to simply place the cards in order from one through to five of a matching color. And you get more points, color. Uh,
0: yeah, more points, the more sets, complete sets that you get. Yeah,
1: so you're looking to, you know, to create a trick, as I think they might, other yeah, card games might call so, yeah. it. Yeah,
0: that's right. And like I say, it's a, unlike a lot of other cooperative games, there's no lose. It's just sort of a beat your score kind of system. So it's very...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so see how well do you do rather than a win or fail kind of situation. It's just how how successful are you? <laughs> Which so, is good fun. Yeah, it it means everyone joins in. It is a cooperative game, as we say. So. Yeah.
0: So as we're talking about those mechanics, we, you can let them in on the trick then. Well, what is it that's special about Hanabi compared to other card games?
1: Um, essentially, you never look at your own hand of cards. You're always holding the five or six cards you get dealt facing your teammates. You don't see what's in your hand. And the game mechanic then is giving out correct information, or perhaps making an educated guess of which card from your hand to play and put on any given stack, or possibly discard if you if you feel the need.
0: Exactly that. It's such a simple idea. Imagine sort of yeah, like you got like almost like an old school poker hand, the five cards, but you're never looking at the cards in your hand. Only everyone else can see them. It's peculiar and very interesting um, because in terms of the information that you can give your teammates because remember you're trying to as a team put them in order of colour and number you can only give them one of two pieces of information, information about the colours of cards in their hand or information about the numbers that they're holding
1: yeah so uh, Wayne might be showing me his uh, set of five cards facing me, not him and I can point out two particular cards and say these are both blue and he'll have that as a piece of information which will be persistent until he plays one of the cards from his hand. Mm-hmm. Someone else might, in another round, tell him that one of those blue cards is also a number one. Mm-hmm. I can't tell him both pieces of that information. He has to collect that uh, collectively throughout uh, multiple turns or multiple people's turns within a round then have that information in the back of his head and remember where he puts the cards in his hand.
0: Yeah, because you'll be readjusting them in your hand to try and remember who's who told you what. Because you, you can't see. what's The backs of the cards are completely grey. Yeah. You have no idea what you're holding. So you have to kind of jig them around in such a way as you remember what you've been told about your cards. And another trick and caveat to that is you have to tell them complete information. So if they have, I don't know, more than one blue card and you need them to get that blue card down, uh, that a specific one. You can't say, "Oh, just this one's blue." You have to say, "This one, this one, and this one are all blue."
1: Yeah, it's it's a a whole thing every time. So as you say, you can't just say this is a one. Mm. If there's another one in the deck, yeah, they have, they to... have to have that uh, information. And as best you can avoid the. And I obviously did this. This one this is one... blue. <laughs> this one's also blue. <laughs>
0: it's like inevitable in this game it will depend on your group how lenient you want to be with that but that's i think part and parcel of the fun of the game is you try and because you're trying to fucking mind bullet people into picking the right cards to put down
1: yeah it's like low-level telepathy which in actual fact is just nudge nudge wink wink yeah exactly you no know i mean harry <laughs>
0: And the other interesting caveat to that is where you think, well, even that doesn't sound too difficult, because you just do that in a circle until such time as you've worked out what cards you've got. Yeah, you're not allowed.
1: You've got a very limited number of clues that you exhaust every single time.
0: Correct. So in the game, you get these little tokens, which basically represent little timers, I guess. And there's a limited number of them, and you have to discard one in order to give someone some information about their hand. Which is amazing because once you start getting down to sort of one or two left, you start thinking, "Oh wow, do I really need to tell them this?" And what you find over a period of time is, if you're playing, if when you're playing Hanabi, if no one's told you anything about your hand, you're generally quite safe in just throwing them away because that's the only way that you get clues back.
1: Yeah, you have the option to discard on your turn, so literally just put a card in the discard pile and that means you gain a clue back if you don't if you're not sure what's in your hand and you're uncertain whether you should play it because if you play the wrong card on a on a stack uh, it
0: becomes void yeah Literally. you lose a life so yeah you have i think 3 or 4 lives in this game so yeah if you make the wrong decision i um you choose to play a card so you can choose to discard a card but if you instead choose to play a card onto the stack it needs to be the correct number and color so it needs to be in the right order if it's not, then you will lose one of your limited lives, of which if you lose all of them, the game ends.
1: Yeah, it, it, there's not really much more to it from what I remember. You you either gain information from someone else about your your hand, or you choose to play or discard a card, hoping that it's the correct one to get rid of if you think it's a, a dud card. And of course, uh, with the option of discarding, you have to remember there's a, a limited number of Red ones, red twos. Mm. So, if you have worked your way up, you've got a stack of red one, two, and three. So, the next one that needs to be played is a red four. And without knowing the sufficient amount of information, you choose to discard a red four. That's one fewer from the stack that is now available. So, you might have gotten rid of the last red four available in anyone's hand. So, you're never going to be able to complete that trick up to five. Uh, not the end of the game, obviously. You'll just limit your num- overall yeah. score at the You'll end of it. Limit limit. Yeah. There's always that balance in there as well, which is quite fun.
0: Yeah, there's only ever. And it's quite quite interesting. There's only ever one copy of the fives of each of the colours. So if people accidentally discard a five or um, try and play it in the wrong place, uh, that's it. You you've automatically limited yourself from getting the maximum amount of points in that area. Um, that's pretty much the essential core mechanics of Hanabi. It is, like I said, it's not a massive amount to it. It's very cooperative. There is a variant where you can add an additional colour, um, which are sort of rainbow colours, which makes it very difficult. Because when you then say they've got red cards in their hand, if they've got rainbow cards, you have to include those as, well, for any colour you say that they've got.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. i would not played that variant yet. Which yeah.
0: sounds awful. It sounds super hard. So <laughs> there's a,
1: a card that you never... Are certain of what it actually genuinely is. Yes. Oh my.
0: Yeah, exactly that.
1: Yeah, I don't need that stress.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the game feels thematic? And does the gameplay work together with the theme?
1: There's not a vast amount of theme, let's be honest. It's
0: painted on super thin. Um, I mean, the theme is thin.
1: I mean, I like a fireworks display as much as the next person, but I also don't go out to fireworks displays anymore. Um, It's Yeah, it could be a number of other things. Essentially, it's a colour and a number set. Yeah, you could flavor it however you want. Uh, I think the fact it is fireworks is kind of fun. It's yeah. uh, you're kind of building your little fireworks display, as it were. So the fuse and the timer works quite nicely as the life and the clue count.
0: Yeah. Um, but theme wise, it's it's not where you play the game. I don't think it's not one of those. No. Whereas a lot of the games that we've reviewed here on the show has been theme has been heavily integrated in the mechanics. Or heavily integrated into the flavour of the game. Yeah. Like you say, this could literally be anything.
1: No, no, no one's picking this up to uh, envelop themselves in Chinese culture of gunpowder and and fireworks, phosphorescence. No, areas. it's just
0: a very clever, easy to learn, um, great fun to play, family friendly. I think all ages friendly. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. There's there's no maths involved other than the facility to count to five. Yeah. And re- essentially, it's memory and. A small amount of deduction based on the information given to you which is always good fun and as you say can be played from anyone yeah probably from the ages of five and up just to grasp the, the overall concept but yeah you can you can run through it in 10 minutes and easily have great fun every single time because sure. as i say you've got that little uh the snide thing i'm just i'm just looking at this communicating while playing hanabi is from the rules uh communication and non-communication between players is essential if you follow the rules closely you can only communicate with your teammate when you give them information however you can play whichever way suits you best set your own rules regarding communication um yeah so you're kind of constantly checking with each other um yeah. it's like you know you know what you've got here right <laughs> if, uh, yeah like, you can almost yeah point to a specific card like I've like I've You remember what this card is, right? Correct.
0: Yeah, so my sort of I don't know, it's not really a, a house rule per se, but I can I will ask someone as a freebie, as we've always played it, is um what do you know about your hand? Yes. Like and then you and then after they've been given some information and I'm guilty of it as well, oh they'll be oh, like they've jiggled their cards around in a certain order. Oh, these two here are definitely red and you're looking at each other like
1: <laughs> the blue in
0: the yellow. Blue and the blue and the <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, have you forgotten? <laughs> And it happens every time and no matter how you try and keep track of it because there's quite a lot of information moving around and then you're adding new cards to your hand. Um, people are getting told different things and you're discarding and see, things will move in your hand as you get new mm. ones as well. So, No, it's very clever. What do you think about the turn length? I mean, it goes around at a clip. But there's not really much in the way of decision making for the player per se. I mean, if you haven't been told much about your hand your turns are normally quite quick.
1: That's exactly it. You can only work with the information you have. Yeah. Sometimes that will be absolutely nothing. So it's either a, a random guess to discard a card and hope you're not throwing away the five, or it's a random guess to play a card.
0: At a risk of losing a life. Uh, yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, if you hope that you've got a clue token and you can be useful on your turn yeah. by giving more information and then it's just a case of analysing, well, Chris is next. I can tell him something which will guarantee one correct card placement. Mm. Uh, maybe Emily's in a couple of turns. Mm. So I can tell her something that will guarantee the next like two people in a row can mm. get something down because Wayne already knows that he's got the red four. If I make sure Emily knows she's got the red three, three yeah. then the three and the four can then instantly go turn yeah. after turn. Which So exactly that's really that. the only decision making is... Yeah, I think beyond, you're right. beyond giving obvious information is choosing which bit of information to give to which player. You that can is, do one thing at once.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the key crunch factor of this game is, because you have a limited number of clues, is how can you maximise the efficiency of the information you give out? Because if you can give one piece of information, you want to know how much do people know about their cards and uh, how much can you really give and, and make the most of that one piece of information that you can give to them. What do you think about the complexity of this game? Just talk about a normal scale. This for me is right at the one. This is this is a one level complexity game for me.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would fail to pick up the, at least the basic concept of this. Obviously there's a, a small amount of skill that you could build up in terms of, as we've just said, mm-hmm. which bit of information to give when. Your general deduction skills. Maybe. Really, yeah, it's very much pick up and play with anyone yeah. that's brand new to it. And there, there were three of the four of us when I first played this with you that were all new to yeah. it. None of us struggled in the slightest. (laughs) Uh,
0: Totally language independent as well, which is another great bonus for this game. Yeah, yeah. What do you like most about Hanabi?
1: I think kind of the unique concept of uh, seeing everyone else but your own and then working from there. It's it's such a fun and simple thing, but as I said at the top of the thing, deceptively simple. that It kind of offers a reasonable amount of depth for the simplicity therein.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. A, the... The very clever um, concept of never looking at your own cards, only seeing the rest of your teammates, which I feel, like I said, is such a good idea in board gaming. Either it should have been done before or if it has been done before, not to uh, such a successful degree um, and such an interesting degree it's really well whenever i've played it with anyone to be fair any kind of group even people that don't board game families friends um everyone's loved it it's that sort of game it's a it's a almost a non-gamer's game you could play it with anybody i think
1: yeah i'd absolutely take this to anyone in my family and yeah. and, and enjoy that first moment as well of dealing out the cards and going no you're not allowed to look and just seeing that yeah. you are
0: yeah <laughs> Oh, and always, every single time you've got a new player, because I did it as well, is um, when you have to pick up a new card, you'll immediately, because it's nature, to look at it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's so hard to pick it up and face fa- it, it away from you. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost the muscle memory yeah. you pick up in a certain uh, way, fashion, yeah. so to pick it up and face it away from you is kind of alien.
0: but Very weird, yeah, for sure. No, big fan of this one. Um, I got it a while ago and uh, it still holds up. It's, uh, it's an absolutely timeless design. So, next up on the roundup is a space combat game called Star Realms. And Star Realms is a two-player game. You can play four players uh, if you have the version that I have. Although you can actually just buy multiple decks of the single base deck and you can play with sets of two players, up to six players, or however many you want, really. Plays in 20 minutes. Was designed by Robert Doherty and Darwin Castle. uh, With art by Vito Gisaldi. Sorry, Vito and published by White Wizard Games. Now, Star Realms, like I said, is basically a spaceship combat deck building game um, by, oh, by Magic Hall of Famers, Darwin Castle. Okay, so people that help design magic. I'm reading this off the internet, as you can kind of tell. Darwin Castle is such
1: a strong name. I love it. That's an
0: amazing name, I'm Darwin Castle. I'm assuming
1: he's Australian. Yeah, may
0: be, Possibly. I don't, I don't know. know. It sounds like a great name anyway. Um... Yeah, so it essentially combines deck building, uh, kind of like a trading card game where you're trying to make the best deck possible um, with deck building mechanics, but you never have to buy anything extra. Everything is self-contained within the Star Realms box.
1: Yeah, nice, simple design, 128 cards. I didn't realise it was generally a two-player game because we've always played with more than two.
0: Yeah, like I said, I have two versions. I have the... Base game, which we have here uh, in front of us, which is the two-player deck that you can just buy, it looks like a deck box. Then I have a multiplayer one, which just has slightly more cards, which is in a, a more of a board gamey box, but still very small. But right. We've only we've played the multiplayer yeah yeah, 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 yeah. everything that you want comes in in that deck of, of cards, really.
1: Yeah, and this is a, a, a kind of shove it in your pocket, take it anywhere kind of game, which is really cool as well. So if you want something that's a bit more involved than Snap, <laughs> yeah, but equally doesn't take up too much space or have vast amount of complexity to it. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. a good little purchase.
0: Oh, 100%. Again, much like Kanabi, small, you can throw it in your pocket, you can, it's cheap, you can pick it up anywhere and um, yeah, just another fantastic, almost like a travel game. Um, So, about the components and art design of Star Realms, I mean, the components are, you've got some cards, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. That's it, yeah. That's it, you've got but, some cards and some, you've got some rules.
1: Some very cool art design on these i'm a big sci-fi fan anyway oh yeah i had too. a number of books up to a kind of a3 size as a kid of just luxurious uh, spaceship design of all kinds almost treated like a historical thing though so it gave you the background of the people who created these fantasy spaceships which yeah. so i thought it was really cool this kind of takes uh, that that art design a little um so you've got lots of asteroids and planets and mm-hmm kind of crazy colored uh, backgrounds yeah and then all manner of spaceship from little cruisers up to gigantic Frigots battle stations and and yeah bat- prison, yeah, yeah, you know.
0: yeah that's right and battle um, stations even yeah space stations You've got
1: a few different um federations and factions in factions, in the game, factions yeah, yeah uh, including uh, an alien one which is quite cool so it gives you a, a different var- variety on the look of the the ships and the stuff held within as well which is quite fun
0: yeah so uh, there are four factions in uh, star realms uh, you have the blob uh, which are the green aliens and these are pretty much so, essentially focused entirely on um sort of combat and uh doing pure damage
1: yeah you've got the federation uh, the trade federation the trade
0: federation yeah
1: you then got the star empire yeah And lastly, the Machine Cult.
0: That's it. Awesome. And they all play in very different ways. And so what you might be wanting to do when you're playing uh, Star Realms is trying to collect certain factions or certain types of cards within those factions that will work well together. So that's basically it for the components. Very well-designed cards. Okay, card stock. Your average sort of CCG slash TCG card stock. Good design. Yeah. um, Nice and simple. So how do you win Star Realms?
1: Yeah, a bit like Magic the Gathering, although I know almost nothing about that game. You start with a certain health level, uh, which I think generally is 40. And then essentially you're trying to take out the other player by attacking them in each round with the fleet that you've either started with or been able to build up throughout uh mm-hmm. the preceding rounds mm-hmm. um doing anywhere from you know one damage up to i think i managed 20 odd in one round but that's kind of late game amounts. yeah late game and um, there's some fun synergy which we'll cover in a sec
0: um, absolutely
1: so yeah it's, it's a a space battle essentially um yeah. based on the cards that you draw uh five at a time uh, per, yeah. per round you play all of the cards every round um so it's Partly luck of the draw based on what's in your hand, uh, or rather what's available to draw into your hand, um, but then also some choices to be made uh, about what you add to your hand in each round as well.
0: The beautiful thing about Star Realms is there's no sort of analysis paralysis with regards to what you're going to play on a round. You play everything that you, you draw, basically. You draw up to your maximum hand size, and then when it's your turn, you play all of those cards, should you wish, and then you actualize them. So you then trigger the effects on those cards
1: yeah and i really like that because yeah. you know i, I do suffer from that analysis paralysis so just being able to go well this is what i've got what can i achieve oh cool sometimes you'll have a, a crappy draw sometimes you'll have an amazing draw mm-hmm. um really the decision only comes in to choose if you're in the trade purchase uh, section where you might be able to add something in and you've got a couple of badass cards sitting in that trade route and you think or oh, which which one's going to suit me best But generally, you're not going to be hung up too much on one over the other. Uh, It's quite easy to make a decision pretty quick. Even for me, who's someone who's very slow at picking, I generally just go, that one. Either that one looks cool, or it's a matching color of the type of uh, Mm. faction that I'm already collecting. or it's just in you know, a big, badass bunker and I can sit behind a shield for a while, which is also very
0: helpful. Yeah, let's let's focus on that trade row because that, like you say, is where the crunch comes in. Um, what you'll be doing on your turn, like you say, when you do play all of your cards, you, draw your, you get a starting hand, everyone gets the same starting cards, which are some vipers and some little merchant ships. And this game will basically give you three types of resources to use as you see fit. They'll give you damage, which you can assign to your opponents. Um, they'll give you health, Obviously, to get your own health back. And they'll give you trade or cash, which you will use to buy cards that are then laid out in the middle called the trade row or the market row. And um, the market row will be replenished whenever someone buys a new card. And like Simon says, you'll be spending that cash you generate to pick the card that you want that you think is going to best synergize with your existing deck. You immediately buy that card. You add it to your discard pile. So the next time you run out of cards in your personal deck... You reshuffle it, and now you've got that new card available to be drawn.
1: Yeah, it's good fun. It was again the deck building thing's fairly new to me, mm. um, but I got into it quite quickly with this one. Mm. Um, there is obviously the option to discard uh, as well if you want to streamline that deck. So once you've got some heavier hitting or mm. more beneficial cards, you might want to slowly
0: draw out, try and the, thin the out the some of the lower ones. That's, uh, yeah, fattening up uh, your deck to try and get it lean.
1: That being said, there's nothing wrong with having a, a sustained bit of low-level damage throughout every hand that you play, depending on your play style.
0: Yeah, depending on what you've chosen and what you've drawn. I do genuinely love this game. I think it's fantastic. It's, again, another deceptively simple design, but very clever, and how the factions interact with each other and how they interact with themselves is very clever. You'll have rules in Star Realms where if you have multiples of the same type of faction, you'll get additional benefits.
1: Yeah, that's really good fun. So if you're, Mm. let's say, the the slightly... um, more good aligned i'll say with the federation yeah um, yeah, yeah, versus the slightly more sinister looking blob Uh, the federation is more about trade so Mm. you might have a star cruiser that says if you also have another federation ship in play then you get a bonus two for trade Mm -hmm. or you get one more on your defense or you gain some health so the more of those you can play it'll stack up that bonus
0: Exactly that. The Trade Federation are really good for that. They'll give you cash and they'll give you health as well. They'll generally give you those bonuses. They will do damage, but not to the same efficiency extent as the blob, who are pretty much all about damage. And when you do get trigger those stacking bonuses, when you get multiples, it's all about, well, if you get two or three of these, you're going to do extra damage, which is amazing. Yeah,
1: it is ridiculous. So they've got a a kind of a home station. You create this swarming mass that exists in in the space. um, While that's in play... Every single other blob card that you play in your hand does an extra two damage. I think it's
0: just some horrendous so, combos. You
1: know, the, the, this this station, this mass stays there and is persistent until it gets destroyed. Mm. Um, you then play your five cards, so they might do a total of ten damage each. But because this other one persistent card is also on the table. Mm. They essentially doubled their damage. So you mm. can, and then you can choose where you target each of that that damage as well. If you're playing a multiplayer yeah. game, so if you're not looking to particularly spike one person, you can and say, well, those three ships attack there. Those three ships attack mm. there. Um, mm. So you get get that variability as well, which is really good fun.
0: It is really cool, and that that's just two of the factions. The Star Empire are generally focused on forcing your opponent to discard cards. So on their turn. When they've drawn up to their hand size, immediately they'll start at a disadvantage of maybe two or three cards, which is hugely, it's a big handicap when you start your turn.
1: I had forgotten about that, yeah. That's, yeah, naughty. that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, really naughty. When you're looking to yeah, either spike, uh, spike that damage or amp up your power uh, to, to buy more stuff, and then someone says, actually, yeah, you give me one of those cards, just chuck that away this turn. Like, yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I can't be using on that then. And then with the Machine Cult, their specialty is in scrapping. The scrapping mechanic in this game is to literally take a card out of the game, and that's the only route from which you can thin down your deck. Normally when you discard, you discard to your discard pile, which will then get reshuffled into your deck, but to scrap a card means it goes completely out of the game, so you can thin it down. So all of these factions play in very different ways, but you might want to take elements from all each of them, depending on where you are and how you want your deck to play and how you want to achieve your goal.
1: Yeah, there are almost endless variations on how you play this but partly depending on what comes up in that trade row Mm -hmm. and whether you get to buy the thing you want if uh, if it comes up on your turn or if someone else nabs it before you do Mm -hmm. Uh, i quite almost always mix the colors uh, just because there's a cool thing it's not in my set (laughs) i want that thing i might be playing as the trade federation and then suddenly go Oh, shit, that blob does nine flat damage every yeah. time it comes out. Each time, yeah. It costs a hell of a lot, but I'm the Trade Federation, so I've got a bunch got of cash. money, yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to buy this, you know, just buy a cannon, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a nice nice reserve tea party going on, and you go, actually, yeah, I'm just going to buy yeah. the Assassin for a sec. And mm-hmm. then once every two to three turns, depending yeah. on how many other cards are in your deck, the big hitter will come out, and you just go, well, uh, bam, <laughs> <whack."> exactly
0: that. <laughs> It's really awesome, and you have a couple of other types of cards. Most of those cards, you'll play, you'll do the thing, you'll get the cash, get the the health, get the damage, and then you'll discard it into a discard pile to be drawn again at a later date. You will also have bases, so you can get these big sort of space stations and bases that will sit in front of you persistently. Some of them are outposts, and will sit there defending you. So the outpost-style ones will essentially soak up damage before you, so they will... basically block incoming damage until they get destroyed. Other ones just sit there and they'll just give you buffs, like ongoing benefits every round, like yeah. extra money every round.
1: Yeah, at the start of your turn, gain three health and three coin. Yeah, every time. Every single turn until someone blows it up.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you have to elect to th- throw, when you're opposing, that. Like, you have to elect to throw damage at that space base in order to get rid of it. Otherwise, it just sits there giving your opponent buffs and it's quite annoying. Um I think I'm, I remember playing a game where I ended up buying I don't know how many it was I ended up with four or five different space stations in front of me did, just getting yeah. massive amount and because they were uh they were triggering off each other and then triggering off the cards I was laying down you get these huge buffs until everyone gets upset at you and then, <laughs> then then teams up to blow up your empire um yeah no great fun does Star Realms feel thematic and does the gameplay work together with the theme
1: It can yeah if you invest yourself in the as with a number of other games if you you kind of dive into the artwork and yeah. kind of picture yourself as the captain of that space station or yeah. you know, the invading species or whatever then yeah there's, there's a fairly strong theme as i say i'm a massive sci-fi nerd yeah. so i can just stare at those cards for That's cool. <laughs> that looks well. awesome look at the, explosions. Look at the lasers could,
0: i think more than hanabi it is more thematic like yes yeah, if if hanabi is painted on this is a little bit more it's a thicker coat you could still arguably turn this into like i don't know um clans or tribal based or I could see it working based, with like, something medieval yeah, style maybe.
1: possibly Viking maybe something, Viking with, the, clans something with a good variability of scale so you've got your small attack scouts and then something that you can scale all the way up to a defensible city mm-hmm. uh, something that can attack very hard and fast so yeah. maybe your uh, specialist Spartan war clan you know you could, yeah, you could kind of yeah. flavour it in lots of different ways.
0: 100% yeah I think even that said um it it works very well with the, with the space theme uh, with space battles you can end up being very epic with you doing massive amounts of damage to massive amounts of um, space bases and especially if you've got multiple players it can get very chaotic but also very fun i yeah. think i think the theme does work very well and i think it's it is slightly thicker than uh than than with Hanabi for sure
1: oh yeah definitely and yeah you can definitely picture that as you say, that epic space battle going mm. off and suddenly warping in from nowhere. This yeah. is just mangled looking the green blob. thing. And yeah. It just <laughs> vomits lasers. or I don't know, whatever the hell else it <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> I like the idea of it, vomiting lasers. Though. That's amazing. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, e- episode title. Right episode, yeah. Episode title. Vomiting lasers. <laughs> How do you feel about the gameplay flow? Because the turn length for me, again... It's not massively crunchy. I don't think there's a massive amount of AP in this game. It's not that prone. Like I said, the only really thing is, do you want the thing in the role or not?
1: Yeah, yeah. As we've said before, you're playing whatever's in your hand. The choices is what you then buy if you're looking to buy anything. There's no um, demand to buy anything, but obviously if you've got the trade available... And uh, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, there's an option in one of the cards to change your trade value to a certain amount of defense or some. I think so. I think there may well be. There's there's a, option that
0: possibly will be. Yeah, uh, A
1: couple of variables there. But yeah, you, as we've said, you, you play the cards in your hand. You work out what they can do, what works with what else. Mm-hmm. And if you play multiplayer, mm-hmm. who best to target with what, whether they have any vulnerabilities mm-hmm. or you want to make sure that you get a certain card of theirs off the table before it comes around to their turn
0: yeah. where yeah. they'll
1: then smash his pieces.
0: <laughs> yeah, it goes around at a clip and because the market row is always public, you can generally have an idea of what you want before it even gets to your turn. You're like, oh, so that, something pops out and you're like, oh, I want that.
1: Yeah, there'll be a couple of average or middling cards and then there'll be the nice big shiny. Obviously, the nice big shiny costs a hell of a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you want to, you're not quite card counting, but you're aware of what your total maximum trade availability might be and you know yeah. what cards you've already played and they're in your uh-huh. discard pile. Uh-huh. You might have an idea of, oh yeah, my my plus five coins coming up next. It has to come up next because yeah. I know it's that side of the stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So you can kind of work out there. Um, whereas if you know that you're not going to get that big coinage coming up, then you might think, well, I'll definitely do something more attack-based this round yeah. or whatever else. But Yeah, very cool. And I like the mixture of theme and gameplay very much
0: yeah the rules are super clear it's um, complexity level wise I would put this probably at a 2 it's like Hanabi is a definite one this is somewhere between a 1.5 and a 2 for me it's if I put Pandemic down at a 2 then this is probably a 2 as well
1: yeah I can't argue with that
0: yeah I think it's not not for everybody this is slightly more of a board gamers game um, not as like easily family friendly take it to everyone like Hanabi is would you agree with that or would you say this is more still more even universal
1: I think think if they have the interest it's yeah accessible to pretty much anyone that would want to play it there's there's no real other in its
0: other than its sci-fi nature it, i guess you'd yeah to the, there's
1: it. the sci-fi nature of it there's there's not maths beyond the point of simple addition yeah. working out how much damage that's eight true. plus three plus two whatever um but yeah there's nothing particularly getting in the way of anyone wanting mm, to play this game true. i don't think
0: so what do you like most about Star Realms?
1: Is it bad to just say the artwork? Yeah, you can say the artwork. I that's mean, what you like about as it. As simple as the theme is. I, I, I do just enjoy the idea of going... It's
0: big, bold designs. Yeah, buy, yeah.
1: The, buy the big gun, have a hench base station and mm. just... Smash, <laughs> smash each other's feet. It's as close as you can get in a card game to getting your old Star Wars figures or your Transformers toys out. Yeah, just and, them together. And, and play acting a battle with your mate when you were six. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's simple, fun, and if you're of that nature, it's really, really enjoyable.
0: Yeah, you're quite right. I'm 100 on board with that. It's a highly entertaining space battle game. It's what I like about this game. It's one of those hidden depths. It's very easy to learn. I think with the people that are up for it. But, like I said, the number of card interactions that you can have is quite vast. This is a game that will reward repeat play. And I think, I'm convinced of it, and I'm sure someone will tell me if I'm wrong, that you would easily be able to um, work out a new player and an experienced player. I feel like this can be very skill-based.
1: Yeah, there, there'll be a, de- a degree of reactionary play from a newer player versus more slightly more strategic. More synergistic. Um, obviously, of... there's still a, a degree of randomization in the draw of the card, mm. Mm. but an experienced player will get to the deck that they want a lot quicker, yeah, and they'll... it will work a lot better than a newer player like me who will just smash and grab <laughs> the, the funnest looking thing on the board. Yeah, for sure. Slowly working towards something they think will work. 100%.
0: And it is awesome. Thanks for listening to Board Stupid. Subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your ear holes via your favourite podcast service. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerds. That's B-O-A-R-D. I'd shoot that one out of space. You can find us on Twitter at board nerd B-O-A-R-D. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and at our homeanchor.fm slash Stupid Again, B-O-A-R-D. Wherever you can find your favorite podcast flavor, you can find us. If you do like our content, please do us a massive favor. Give us a five-star review wherever you can review us. And please share the links to our content. Share them to your friends, anyone that might be interested in board games, D&D, or any of the stuff that we talk about. Ping them a link. Got any feedback, comments, or questions? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again real soon.
1: Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs>